Okay, guys, welcome to The Dad Presents. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, as is typical, I did a monologue, recorded a monologue to play before my interview with Zuby, but then I interviewed Zuby, and it went a little long, and he's much more interesting than me. So in a fancy trick, I've put the interview at the top, and the monologue will be at the end. So let's get into it with Zuby. Okay, guys, we've got Zuby today. Welcome to the show. He's an accomplished rapper, an author, a podcaster. He's kind of a Swiss army knife out there doing everything. And he's also become a Twitter magnet for controversy. And he's the women's deadlift world record holder. Um, <laughs> Zuby's become a voice for reason and freedom and kind of pushed back against woke politics in the last couple of years. And we're lucky to have him on the show. Now, um, Zuby, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. All good, man. Happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so we're in different parts of the world. I screwed up the meeting initially because I'm not super tech savvy, but we're in different time zones. It's like, I don't know, nighttime where you are. I literally just rolled out of bed. I mean, it's good you can't smell breath through a Zoom meeting or this me <laughs> meeting would end real fast. Um, but you've been you've been a warrior kind of, you know, we got the social justice warriors. You've kind of been a warrior just like speaking logic to some mm -hmm. of that stuff. And you take a lot of heat for that. Mm -hmm. um, and here in America, we tend to be a little bit narcissistic about our politics. Our president was the biggest narcissist. We're just, you know, it's a narcissistic <laughs> place to be. It, has Europe been infected in the same way by wokeism that we have? Um, not quite to the same degree, but they're, they're on the journey. You know, as they say, when the U.S. sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. And that's certainly the case for the um, Anglosphere. So, you know, UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, English-speaking countries especially um, tend to take their cues from the USA. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely got a strong grasp. I don't think things are quite as far gone as they are in the US in certain ways. But at the same time, I think the US is a little bit more resilient to it for a lot of reasons okay. um, as well, just in the way that things are structured and the way that the people are. So the U the UK and Europe might actually be more susceptible. Got it. So when, when you when you say that it it starts here in America, what would you say when we uh, sneeze? When the USA sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. Okay. That's, so yeah, it's I've, quite a well known it's quite a well known phrase actually. I've not it's heard very that true before. for the UK. It's very yeah. true for the UK. So I grew up in Pennsylvania. I'm in I'm in Los Angeles now, and that is true about America itself. Like what happens in Los Angeles tends to spread. Do you think? that happens going to the rest of the world because of Hollywood's reach into mm -hmm. the, yeah. So yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when people say that the USA is the leader of the free world, that's not just politically, that's socially, that's culturally. A lot of people wonder why people in the UK and other countries even care about things like US elections or what's going on in the USA or whatever. But I mean, you know, people in a lot of times, I think Americans don't realize just how much what happens in the U.S. echoes throughout the rest of the world, especially the not 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 even just the Western world, but the influence of the USA. You know, music, TV, uh, movies, um, politics, all of these things, trends, things that are happening in universities, all of those things they do spread out. They spread out beyond the borders of the USA, and I think that happens even faster now that we live in this age of the internet and social media and all of that stuff. I mean. You know, I mean, to give you a perfect example, um, why were there Black Lives Matter protests in London and Berlin and Melbourne last right. summer? Right. right? A, man, a man in Minnesota 
got killed. Mm-hmm. A week later, people are marching in London, right? Like, wow, you, you see what I mean? So yep. that's actually a great example of something of showing you how that ripples outwards. Had that not happened, had that George Floyd, had George Floyd not been killed like that, or had the killing not been even on video, that's what it was. then that wouldn't have happened, right? That wouldn't have happened. So regardless of someone's, you know, thoughts and opinions on that thing, that's a great example of the stuff that echoes. I mean, even the type of music that I make, right? I'm a hip hop artist. I'm a rapper uh-huh. that started in New York city. Sure, that started, sure. you know, hip hop is an American art form. Yeah. Now you can go to any country in the world. You can go to Japan. You can go to Iceland. You can go oh to Finland. God. You can go to Brazil. There's people rapping. Yeah. There's people I'm, rapping. I'm, There's, yep. I'm married to a, a Filipino girl and we went back okay. there a few years ago and uh, they're infected with hip hop, man. That's, there you that's go. all they're into. The hip hop and go. 80s music. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. So the, the US has a real influence. Yeah. So um, in today's, you know, you're talking about music. When I was coming up, I'm going to say how old I, I am. I'm old. But when I was coming up, like punk rock was a thing. And punk rock was like pushing back against the establishment. It was, you know, mm. like, and then you and then you had bands like Rage Against the Machine and mm-hmm. um, and and rap bands coming up. And they were all pushing against the machine. It seemed like artists were like, fuck the man, you know, fuck the police, <laughs> um, you know, that kind of thing. And today's yeah. modern climate, it doesn't seem like there's anything more punk rock than being an artist <laughs> like yourself who doesn't bow down to the mainstream narrative. Like it seems like all of yeah. art has gone mainstream and like mm. fight the power has become embrace the man. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So my question it, is, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, carry on, carry on. I, I'm just wondering what you think made that happen. Like what led us in that direction where artists switch teams? Mm. Yeah, you know, I that's a fantastic question. I think there's been a lot of team switching and a lot of inversion that's happened over the past um certainly over the past 10 years, but maybe over the past 20 years where it seems like in many ways people who are so-called conservative are more liberal than the people who call themselves the liberals. Right. Yeah. Right? People who claim to be fighting the system have become the system. Maybe some people who used to kind of be the system are now sort of opposing the system. So there have been all sorts of weird inversions which have just happened, I think, as things have shifted in terms of culture and society and politics, right? It's kind of like when I started out in music in 2005, 2006, um, I was like the least edgy, least controversial rapper out there, right? I don't cuss. I rap about positive stuff. Um, I'm kind of conservative leaning and always have been, um, I'm just, you know, I don't say stuff that's, uh, egregious. I don't disrespect women. I don't talk about violence. I don't talk about doing drugs or selling drugs, any of that. Probably help your career if you did some of that. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically. Right. But it's like, I find it hilarious. I mean, the way you even introduced me, right. The fact that someone like myself is even considered a controversial figure, Right. The fact that someone like Jordan Peterson is considered a controversial figure, okay? That shows you where we are right now in society. Like, how is Jordan Peterson controversial? How is Ben Shapiro controversial? Ben Shapiro is a very conservative, like very clean living, deeply religious, orthodox Jew who talks about the importance of marriage and family and saving yourself for marriage and, you know, doing this and doing that, like the most 
I, I, we live in a society where that is now controversial. Mm-hmm. Just simply telling the truth is controversial. Saying a man is a man, a woman is a woman is controversial. Saying there's yeah. two genders is controversial. Saying you believe in God is controversial. Saying yeah, is. that you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Saying you support free speech is also controversial. Oh, that's like, the most ooh, controversial. Free, that's free, the one that gets me. Free speech, you know, the people who, like I said, the people who are calling themselves liberals. You know, those are the ones who are advocating for people to generally, you know, be <laughs> right now, be forced to stay at home, be forced to wear masks, be have their speech curtailed and not be allowed to use different social media platforms, whatever. So I'm at this weird stage where I'm like, hang on, wait, by wait, what does the word liberal actually mean? If you look in, mm-hmm. if you look at what the meaning of the word liberalism, I'm reading it and I'm like, okay, this sounds like, con- this sounds like what people now call conservatism mm-hmm. almost. Yep. And it's really Liberate, weird. Like, freedom. Yeah. And so I think that's also happening, you know, music and arts and entertainment where, like you said, you did have people, you know, punk rock and rap and metal and all that kind of stuff, which was kind of, you know, fight the power, rage against the machine. And as things have sort of shifted and societies become inverted and perverted in certain ways, it's almost like, you know, if you're a rapper and you're now rapping about, you know, making money and and women and doing drugs or whatever, it's like, that's become that that's become the machine like that's become the generic standard you know oh yeah. okay like that's whereas you know someone like myself who's got a more positive and clean message and whatever it's like oh no nope. like that's controversial now. can't have that cancel uh, zuby can't have yeah, that positivity it's, it's, it's out there it's, <laughs> it's hilarious it's really yeah. really bizarre it's really I have, really bizarre i have a, a theory on it i want to run it by you and, and and you tell me what you think so I, I used to consider myself, I was one of those liberals uh, 15 hmm. years ago. You know, I believed that I, I was anti-war. I was uh, pro-free speech, pro-gay marriage. Like I, I was pro-freedom. Now mm-hmm. I consider myself a libertarian because liberals, mm-hmm. they, they don't believe in any of that stuff anymore. No. I mean, they believe in gay marriage, <laughs> but not in, not in freedom. Yeah. My theory is back in 2008 here in America, when the, the housing market collapsed, people mm-hmm. got mad. You had the Tea mm-hmm. Party rise up and you had Occupy Wall Street, which rose up and was pointing the finger at the banks and they were like, you know, you're the problem. You're rigging mm-hmm. the game. You're the problem. You got all the money. We got nothing. Yes. And at that time, coincidentally, that's when identity politics started rising up and mm-hmm. people turned their attention away from the banks and started fighting with each other because identity mm-hmm. politics really what it does is it forces us into tribes and gets people to fight with each other. So it yes. took the heat off the bank. So I kind of feel like it was coordinated. Like the banks mm-hmm. were like, how can we get these people off our backs? Mm-hmm. And they started putting those. And, and, and when you see recently like JP Morgan Chase or Nike, Nike makes uh, these commercials that they pay millions of dollars for about Black Lives Matter. Like if they wanted to, <laughs> to help black lives, number one, start with stop using slave labor. That's step mm-hmm. one. <laughs> step two, you got all kinds of money you can just inject into the black communities. Instead, of you're going to make some Colin Kaepernick ad. Like, I don't think these companies care. And I think they, no, they used these identity politics to, to switch the attention off of them mm-hmm. and get us fighting. Yeah, what do you I think, think of that? It, I think, I think it's part of it. I think it's a lot deeper. Things way deeper than that, but I okay, think that's me. certainly a factor. Well, I think firstly, a lot of these ideas that are sp- not springing up now, but are coming to a head now, a lot of these, a lot of these ideas r- are rooted in the teachings of the Frankfurt school back in the 1960s. So if you really, really want to trace back some of these ideas of, you know, critical theory and what people now call critical race theory and some of this gender theory and ideology and all that, a lot of that stuff roots back to, you know, decades before I was born. But these used to be sort of fringe niche ideas, which were very restricted to the worlds of academia. Um, 
And I think that due to a lot of reasons, including the so-called slow march through academia, um, I think that a lot of these things have come to a head in the past sort of 10 to 15 years, really, really accelerating in the past five years. And they've jumped the ship from being fringe ac academic ideas to being things that are now considered, you know, fairly mainstream, right? So concepts like I imagine you I imagine you didn't grow up hearing concepts like white privilege. No, right? I'm assuming never heard you didn't grow like up six years ago. Exactly. You didn't hear grow up hearing concept hearing terminologies like people of color and BIPOC. And in the UK they use this phrase BAME, which means yeah, black indigenous and people of color. In the UK, they say BAME, B-A-M-E, black and black and minority ethnic, all these strange terms. And you're probably now hearing people talking more about white supremacy than they did at any point, you know, since the 1970s, right? Now everything sure. is white supremacy. Everything is this. literally everything. Everything's being labeled. Yeah. And, you know, suddenly the whole gender thing has been been changed. And, you know, oh, is a man really a man? Is a woman really a woman? Oh, but you can switch between them. You're meant to simultaneously believe men and women are identically, ident identically the same, but they're also different and they're interchangeable. And you can also like be either or you can be neither as well, right? You can also now be non-binary. You can be whatever you want. You can right? be a fucking and lots of this stuff is, Yeah. And lots of this stuff is just running unopposed, right? And um, as people who are, you know, libertarian minded in terms of what adults kind of like generally want to do, I think, you know, as long as they're not directly harming other people, yourself and myself are both in the situation of like, okay, we don't particularly care. But at the same time, I deeply care about people trying to invert what is actual reality, right? If someone wants to believe that the sky is green, they're totally welcome to believe that the sky is green. But if they try to force me to believe the sky is green or certainly try to punish me for not believing the sky is green and espousing that the sky is green, then we're we're going to have a problem, right? We're going to have a problem. Things are going well, to Well, they are. They out. are enforcing that now. Exactly. Now they're, right? now they're telling you two plus two isn't, isn't it's four. Exactly. 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 Yeah. And people have, people have allowed these things to run unchallenged for far too long. This is not why you now have biological men competing in women's sports. Like that's how, you know, I remember when people told me five, six years ago that that wasn't going to happen when I was telling them it was going to happen. And they're, you know, now I'm the British women's deadlift record holder. Right. So, yeah. You know, so anyone who was laughing at me in 2016 or 2017 saying, oh, Zuby, you're being, uh, you know, you're being too alarmist or whatever. I'm like, well, you know, look at where, look at where we are now. I th and, and so, so that's part of it. I do think, um, I think there are quite a few reasons for why things have come to a head like this now. I do think that the general decline in religion, is a large factor. And I know that one makes some people uncomfortable, but I think it's a big factor because I believe human beings in general, you know, more than 90% of human beings, I believe are religious, right? Whether or not they believe in God, human beings are naturally wired for religion and ideology. Well, yeah. And yeah, in the what, I mean, that's what some of this tribal woke stuff is. Yes. Some religion. Uh, uh, exactly. It's a secular Built religion. That void. It's a, yes, it's a secular religion. It fills in a void and it provides a lot of the things um, that religion provides for some people, but I'd say it's a really bad version of it. Um, and it lacks a lot of the positive qualities that people gain from religion. Um, I do also think there is a key factor, which again, people don't really talk about is that this is the first time and place in history where there has not been any obvious fight for the left. What do you mean? Okay. What oh, I mean, I, I know what you're saying, okay. what so I mean, they're, they're adopting it, this trans thing. That's really the only right? thing that's so, left. No, but it's not left there. It's invented. Yeah. It's invented. Right. The last thing left was gay marriage. That was it. 
Right. That was, that was the last one. So when, so I don't and think people it's, I don't do think have it's a, a desire. Like people see what their, their ancestors did, how they got out mm-hmm. in the streets and oh, marched dude. for, for civil rights and, whatnot, and they you, want that. Look, if you think of it, if you think any time up until when was gay marriage legalized in the States? Maybe 10 years ago, not even 10 years ago, say, say 2010. Okay. Mm-hmm. So prior to 2010, there was always, there was always a law on the books right. that someone could argue was discriminatory. Yes. Always. Yes. Absolutely. Right. That those those millennia up until that for the first time in around 2010, when that happened, that was the literally the last domino that was the yeah. last domino. Right. If you, I don't think you can show me any law in the UK or the USA that is racially discriminatory, discriminates based on gender, based on sexuality, based on any any of these things. prior well, they, to that. There they, always was true. But they will mm-hmm. tell you that the, the way that the laws are enforced are sometimes discriminatory and and. They may be, you know, uh, more more black people go to to prison for minor drug crimes than, sure, than sure. white people. Sure, people. But the law, that, but the exactly. law itself is not racist. Yes, exactly. So I'm not saying that everything is perfect, and every system and institution and the way that things are applied is perfect right now. But in terms of the obvious fights, right? Yeah. In terms of the real fights, I see you've got Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Right, like. What BLM are doing has nothing to do with what Martin Luther King was doing. Oh, and These they hate when white guys uh, <laughs> right? like, talk about like, BLM or talk right, about Martin Luther King. Exactly. Like there's, there's, no, there's no correlation. So yep. the big fights have been fought and won, right? Look, so look, if you compare modern day, compare modern day Western feminism to like first wave feminism. These are not the same thing. No. Right. Compare BLM to the actual civil rights movement. These are not the same thing. No. Compare like the actual like gay rights movement. Uh, decades ago to like, I don't know, these pride parades and things now that have all these corporate sponsors. It's not the same thing. So there are certain people who are activist minded and they want to feel like they're a warrior. This is where this SJW term comes from, right? They want to feel like they're fighting a battle. They're they're they fighting want to feel important. You. They want to be exactly. Important. They want yeah, to when, feel important. And when you have JP Morgan, Nike, and, and Walmart, <laughs> when they're when they're on your team, you're not fighting. You're not pushing you're not. back against it. You're so, you are the mainstream. Like yes. you you are the mainstream. Guys like you, you're the outlaw. So yeah. you, you, you tweeted the other day, and, and I appreciate you because you you just you keep it you keep it real. You don't you yeah. you're right when you said you don't say anything controversy. Um, mm-hmm. When I read it, you you really don't. You just kind of yeah. break down logic. And you tweeted something just yesterday. I think it was it that hit a nerve with me. You said, I'm just going to read it. You said, the best way to, to build a genuine following is to tell the truth. Yep. Um, I believe that because right now I believe there's a lot more people out there who who think like, like you and like me mm. than who think like these wokesters, but they're afraid to speak up. They don't want to get canceled. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to be judged by their friends as being sexist or racist or whatever. So Mm -hmm. they stay silent. And in staying silent, we've gotten fucking steamrolled. Right. So I appreciate people who have the 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 guts to come out and and speak about it. And and what I would say when you said that speaking the truth will build your following, it's because not only because a lot of people agree with you, but also because what you're doing, I hate to use the word uh, courageous. Um, but it is in a way courageous because it, especially as an artist, it could affect mm. your career. Of course. And I think people respect, uh, your courage in coming out and saying these things. Yeah. So has the, um, has, has doing this has, has, has been one of these persons, one of these spokespeople has this, um, hurt your career in any way. And overall has, have the benefits outweighed the negative or, or what? Look, if you tell the truth, the benefits always, if you tell the truth and you're authentic, the benefits always outweigh the cost. 
Always. Always. Even in your career, it has? Yes. No exceptions. There's no exceptions to that in the long term, I don't believe. If you tell the truth in the short term, you might face some fire. You'll face some criticism. You know, you could even lose a job or lose a certain opportunity or whatever, but doors will open and beyond anything that's visible or material, you keep your own soul intact. Yeah. Right. That's kind of important. (laughs) Right. Like that. I, I can't be someone who is right. Like imagine if I were just like going along with this woke lunacy, knowing that it's garbage and not believing it, but just, you know, posting up the stuff that's, you know, whatever's trending at the time, Yo, BLM is trending. Let me, let me start posting BLM stuff. Let me post the black square on my Instagram. Oh, it's gay pride. It's gay pride month. Let me start throwing up rainbows everywhere and talking about how I love, you know, gay people and all like, it's so, it's so transparent and it's so, it's so cynical. Like stuff like that just makes me feel gross. Like I can't do that. Like I just have to keep it real. That's just who I am. It's how I was raised. It's the personality type I have. Mm-hmm. I don't like someone was asking me about this the other day, you know, you, you know, worried about career repercussions or getting cancer. Like I told him, I told him like, I fear God. I do not fear human beings. I do not fear man. I fear God. Right. So no, I don't care about any of that. Like, I don't care. Like I'd ra- I tweeted this, like I'd rather be canceled by man than canceled by God. Right. Like I right. don't. I don't care. Like the work. And also it's funny that people call me courageous. Cause I'm like, look, the worst that happens is like, I get a couple hundred angry, angry Twitter accounts coming at me for 48 hours. Right. But you like, could get, you, you could get banned altogether. They could severely limit your reach. I mean, they, of course, of course it can happen. Met, people all Matt, over the look, place. They already mess with my account. Right. But mm-hmm. look, I, firstly, I follow the rules. I don't break. I don't break any of the rules of any social. Media. I don't think the. I think the rules went out the window a few. Look, may, maybe they. Maybe they did. Right, but look, if if they're going to start deleting accounts like mine, who who keep a lot of people on the platform, even then, you know, they they could do that. But by that stage, they're done. You know, they're yeah. toast. They're toast at that point, right? If they start trying to delete every reasonable conservative, libertarian, centrist, liberal off of all these platforms, like if it gets to that stage. Then they're they're gonna they're gonna crush their own businesses like they well, will because I mean not if, not if they keep uh, having their buddies at Google and Apple uh, reduce the competition by removing their platforms yeah. like they did at Parler <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean Parler, yeah but know, okay man. so you, you also said um um you said one thing that was really good just a couple of days ago you you said that you love arguing with white woke liberals and destroying <laughs> their arguments no I love this and because you you take on arguments that that a white man like myself sometimes can't. And you said, I love yeah. destroying their, their arguments because they don't know what to do because they can't call me racist, yeah. but I'm sure they've come up with some other names. Oh, to call they'll, they'll still like try. You. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. They still try. Like these people are, I laugh at them because they're just, they're just so programmed. It's it becomes very, very, when you interact with hundreds of thousands of people, like I do, like literally in real world and online, you see strong patterns and you just sometimes know, like, okay, I'm just dealing with, it's almost like, um, you know, like if you play video games and you just have these sort of like the, these NPC enemy characters and you know exactly what they're going to do, you know, their attack patterns, you know how to defeat them, you know, you know, they're not the boss, right? They're just like, okay, I just need to jump on this guy's head and you know, like yeah. or chuck a fireball or whatever. And, and, and it's literally like that. It's just like, okay, here's another one. It's, it's, here's another one, you know? And they all say the exact same thing. They have the exact same arguments. They've read the same books. It's the same, right? It's very rare to come across someone who's like, oh, okay, this person's really like, 
this person's thought about this. This is like yep. someone who's formidable because, you know, most of the time, if they're, I don't know, talking to someone who looks like yourself, you know, as soon as you say, I don't know if you say something that goes against the woke creed, then, you know, they'll just go, oh, well, you're, you're a racist and you're, you know, a white supremacist or you're a Nazi or whatever. And it's like, yep. well, if you say that to a young black guy, they've tried it. I've been called all those things. Right. But it, it's extra stupid, right? It's extra yeah, but stupid we, when we've you been start told that, um, black people can't be racist. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, you can pull so, you can pull that one on them. You're like, okay, which one is it, bro? Yeah. Am I racist or am I racist against like myself? Uh, do I have so-called internalized racism and internalized white supremacy, or is like, you know, and so black people can be racist, or is it black people can't be, or what? You know, you their their positions don't make sense. Yeah. Their positions do not make sense. So they, it's they not have hard like two to two or three talking points, and once you once you break through that, yeah. and you have a little bit of logic, yeah. you just. Exactly. And, and, and you get different responses. You know, I have had people who are like, you know, they are very willing to listen and it's like, okay, like I can actually like show them, okay, look, this is why what you're saying either is not right or let, or just showing them that look like, cause a lot of these people, they think that all black people are the same. Like they, and they they don't, and they don't realize, and they don't realize that's racist. Right. But they, they just think all black people have the same experience and they all think the same way socio-politically or whatever, which is also hilarious given that if you were to like on a global level, hands down, black people are considerably more conservative than white. No people. doubt. No doubt. Right? I, 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 spent, <laughs> I spent a solid decade working in Compton and Watts every day in people's homes. So I would okay. be in about eight <laughs> homes a day. The, the religious yeah. paraphernalia in these homes rivaled. Yes. any Catholic or, or Mexican family, like they're, they're into their Jesus, like they're conservative. Man. And that's why gay rights didn't pass out here in California the first time because of the black community. No. Dude, you're, t- you're, and you're still talking about the USA. Have you been to Africa? Uh, I was in Morocco, but not, not quite. Okay. <laughs> Travel around Africa. If you, if, if anyone thinks that most black people are liberal, <laughs> like, come to Africa, please. Like, I'm just like, dude, there's an entire continent with a billion black conservatives. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Like it, it, it's, it's crazy to me. Like it, it's, it's even funny. Cause even when people say the word black, their, their brain automatically goes to black Americans, but like black Americans are right. less than five. Narcissists. Black narcissists. Americans are less than 5%. Yeah. Yeah, they're less than 5% of the global black population. So, and even within that, you know, there are those conservative elements. So it's sort of weird and funny to me how people have this whole like idea where I'm like, if anything, it's, it's actually the, the, the opposite, right? Like if you're like super liberal or super progressive in like yeah. Nigeria or Ghana, actually, you're the one who's the unicorn, you know? Yes. Um, well, whereas in not, the West, people think it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's not just black people like that's most like if you go into asia you know i've been asia, a lot in asia, asia my well, wife, same thing. they're very conservative uh yes. latinos in other countries south yeah. america very conservative it's mm-hmm. it seems like it's a lot of yeah. uh white <laughs> guilt specifically here in yeah. america white guilt which we do have things to be guilty about slavery you know that we should feel guilty you shouldn't about be that guilty one. about you you, you, not you me have personally to be guilty not about. me personally yeah. but the country fucked up yeah. there, right? So I think sure there's thing. a lot of white guilt surrounding that, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what dri- is driving most of this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but look, man, I'm I'm not in, I'm not big on collective guilt nor collective pride, right? I think each individual should take responsibility and accountability and guilt and pride in things that they themselves have done or have not done, or and are responsible for. Like I'm I don't. You're the If wolf. my Look, if my great grandfather was some like Nigerian warlord who like 
killed a lot of people and did awful stuff, then that's a shame. But like that has no bearing on me. I'm not guilty for his sins. Right. If you're turned out your great, great grandfather was, I don't know, some bad dude or even a great dude. Like if they were a bad dude, you're not responsible for their sins. If they were a great dude, you're not, you can't really take credit for what they did. Right. And I mean, that, that should be obvious to people, right? That should be obvious to people, but we live in this world where people are messing around with these concepts of like collective guilt again and collective pride. And I'm like, you know, when I start seeing white people kind of like apologizing for stuff they didn't do or apologizing for like slavery. I'm like, dude, they were washing stop. feet out here in the stop. weeks after, after the, <laughs> I'm just, literally I'm just like, washing stop. feet. They were yeah. the white people know, washing feet. Um, what what like, you're stop. talking about is individualism. You're, you're an individual, you're a lone yes. wolf. You can think for yourself, but the reality mm-hmm. is most people conservative or liberal are not like that. Conservatives are a little bit more, I think, but, but not really. Mm-hmm. And it's, the 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 irony or the 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 catch twenty two of this is that historically, being what you're talking about is tribalism. Being tribal mm. has benefited yes. humanity. It's allowed us to survive yes, some very yes. hard times. So yes. in a tribe, there can only be one alpha, right? There's one alpha, and mm. then there's thirty other people in the pack who just do what the alpha says. And I think that that tribalism that benefited humanity up until this point has stuck Mm -hmm. with us and it might not necessarily be benefiting us anymore. You know what? I think tribalism is a a neutral thing. Tribalism is just a thing. I don't think tribalism is inherently good nor inherently bad. It just depends on where the lines are drawn and how it manifests, right? So if the tribalism is, you know, you'll have degrees of tribalism within your family, within your friends, within your community, within your For country, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Feel, feel, national pride. Starts right? with kids and schools, right? Exactly. So those are all great, you know, if you, there's a, you know, a religious community or, you know, just a local community or what, these are all good right. forms. These are all good forms of tribalism. Um, so I think to me, like if you draw the lines between black and white and brown and between men and versus w- men and women and between straight versus LGBT or whatever, like these are... St- stupid places to draw the lines. Like, why are you drawing the lines there? Like you could expand. I, I always tell what I of, often say, the best way to counter identity politics is to just go up a level, right? Just, just go up a level in the tribalism, right? So when people are getting all into the, like the racial conversation and, you know, black and white and people of color, this and that, I'm like, look, just go up one level, go up a level, right? And we're all now in the same tribe, mm-hmm. right? You go up a level. Right. So you could go up. So if, if you, this is happening in the USA and people are like, you know, black America, this and white Americans, this and, you know, Latino Americans, it's like, you're, what, what do you all have in common? You're all Americans. Right. What are you doing? Like you're all Americans. Right. right? And it's funny because as, as a, as a British person, we don't do that. I don't call myself black British or African British. People don't call themselves white British or Irish British or Italian British no. or brown br- Asian. Like, no, people just say British here. So yeah. it's bizarre to me when I'm looking into the States and people are like white Americans and black yeah, Americans. That. And I'm like, what are you guys? I'm kind of like, what are you guys doing? You're all Americans, right? Yeah. So, and then if people are getting to the you know, Republicans and Democrats and liberals and conservatives, and, and it's like, again, you can go up another level. You're all Americans. And then beyond that, right? You're all, you're all humans, right? Mm-hmm. So- and, and people do this everywhere. I mean, again, I'm someone, my family background is originally from Nigeria. And something, again, a lot of people in the USA don't understand is that in a lot of African and South American and Asian countries, 
the division of lines within the same country, but between different tribes are often stronger and there's more hostility than say between, um, people talk a lot about like tension between, you know, white, black Americans, white Americans, for example. Right. But the tension between, you know, two tribes within Nigeria who look Even the same more intense. to an outsider are more intense, Yeah, right. Are more intense. So you might not be able to marry somebody's daughter who lives a couple hundred miles North. Yeah. Right. Or, or your kids won't go to the same, you know, your kids can't hang out or people won't do business with each other or whatever. So that is that like toxic tribalism manifesting again. So a lot of what people think is racism or think is this, or think is that again, like you, like you said before, it's just, it's just tribalism manifesting with the lines being drawn in what I'd consider a stupid place, right? The lines right. are being drawn where they don't need to be. You could just go, Oh, you know, we're all Nigerians. Yeah, like we're all Nigerians. We're all Africans. We all, we all bleed all, red. We, we all bleed red. We're, uh, if you want to go straight to the top, we're all humans. Uh, you know, we're all, all humans. We're all the same species. So yeah, an sure, alien invasion would fix that real fast. There, there you go. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Imagine an alien comes yeah. down, like all of a sudden, all, all of this, you know, us versus China versus Russia mm. and white and black, like, like that's that, out the window I, immediately. I, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I think some people had had some hope that that was kind of going to happen, but you know the the media the media sort of played everybody and people yeah. <clears throat> so people kind of doubled down on the identity politics thing. I I want to hit on a few things you just said. Um, I, I was okay. jotting little notes because you hit on some really okay. interesting <laughs> things there. So number one, uh, you talked about um, African or African uh, European or you know over here we we would say African American or Chinese American. Mm-hmm. I had an argument with a, a friend. He's a black guy born in America and he's a radio host for a half an hour. I was trying to tell him and they don't, he didn't like when I did this, but trying to tell him you're not (laughs) African-American. Number one, number one, you're, you're born here. You're not from Africa. Number two, we're all, we're all just Americans. Okay. Your wife, she was born in Africa. She can maybe use the term, right? But, but maybe it would be more unifying if we're all Americans. Like nobody looks at me and says European American. Nobody says that. So you're, no. so I'm American, but you're African American. Like that, that seems to not put us on equal footing. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's not cool for, for you. Why, why do I get yeah. to be the American, but you have to be African American. That's number one. Number two, you said that you think that, um, uh, tribalism isn't necessarily a bad thing. It can be, mm-hmm. it's kind of neutral. That's yeah. true. But what happens is, and I think is what we have going on now is if you're alpha, is evil. Mm. If the person leading mm. you is evil, mm. people just follow because that's that's their alpha. Um, yeah. And the third thing you can you can circle back on any of those if you want. But the third thing yeah, is, um, yeah, I heard you just say you, your family's from Nigeria. So mm-hmm. in my industry out here, um, the Nigerians are kicking ass. Like they dominate seventy five percent of the industry. And that my business. Oh really? Uh, up until a few. What years industry ago, is that? It's the home health industry. So it's like seventy five percent run by Nigerians. <laughs> And we don't have a huge Nigerian population, but specifically Nigerians come in and they dominate. And what I, what I like saying to people is, well, if, if the game is not fair for white people over black people, why are the Nigerians kicking mm-hmm. so much ass? Like what's, what's going on with them? You know what I mean? So it, yeah. it shows. I've, I've heard some black Americans say they don't like Nigerians because they get treated like white people. <laughs> I've actually heard that from, I've heard that that from multiple people. What does that mean? This, 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 this is what I mean. Like people, people are too. And look, I understand it given the, the thing with the USA, I mean, to, you know, to give the devil his due is 
the USA does have a very different history to um, even a country like the UK. Of course, the UK, the British Empire was heavily involved in the slave trade, but the people, the, the black people who are in the UK, generally we got here in a different way to the way black Americans came to America, right? Like historically. Right. So, mm-hmm. and then even in terms of the laws and, you know, history, like, I mean, again, we were talking Martin Luther King, you know, things like there are still people alive today who lived through segregation, who lived sure. through Jim Crow, et cetera, you know, mm-hmm. and prior to that, of course you had slavery. So I understand given the history, you know, identity politics has always been played in a toxic way. And, you know, artificial lines were created um, based on, you know, people's skin color and ethnic origin and all that kind of stuff. It's happened all throughout the world. I know the U.S. has some things that are somewhat unique to it that you wouldn't get, say, in a country like the U.K. historically. So I can understand why people cling to that more. Or even uh, your friend you were talking about, um, it's possible that he doesn't know where his family origins originally are even from, right? So he may know, okay, my fa- I know my ancestors came over, you know, were brought over from Africa, but he might not know whether he's, you know, Nigerian or from Cameroon or from Ghana or, you know, where, what, whatever it is. So I can, I can understand, like, it's not my own position, but I can understand why, you know, say Black Americans in particular base their identity more on the racial aspect because number one it's kind of like programmed into the system and the language and the way that people in the u.s talk and think Mm -hmm. um but then also there i i can say like i know my ancestry so i can say like okay yeah i'm british but you know my parents are from nigeria and i can go back to nigeria and i've been there and so like i have more of a natural connection to that whereas i know that of course you know you'll have dozens of millions of black Americans who don't quite have that. And it's very possible that that has some kind of impact, you know, that has some kind of impact. I don't know to what degree, but it certainly has an impact on the, on the psyche of a lot of people there and just the way that people speak and the way that people think and the way that people refer to each other and all that kind of stuff. My position is simply that I don't think it's, um, I think that clinging to that ultimately does more harm than good for like everybody and for actual societal progress. I think that clinging super hard to all that, those sort of identity categories, like, you know, we all have eyes. We can, we can see what people look like. We know people have different origins or whatever. Right. So the whole sort of colorblind thing, like that's not like truly a real thing, but at the same time, I think it's good to strive for, um, you know, just simply recognizing people yeah. as individuals and treating yeah. people fairly kindly and you know not not discriminating in any direction you know not right doing not not doing too much here not doing too much there just just chill just yes. simple like you know that's that's how i view the world i think that's how you view the world it's just like hey you know this is zuby talking to matt it's not you know a black man talking to a white man you know but that's how some people see it that's how some yeah that's how some people would exactly that's how some people would see it and i'm just like you know the irony is the irony is is that uh rate racial divisions and let's say uh gender divisions between men and women have progressed significantly every every decade for all yes. of all of you know the last century until yes. right now i think it's getting mm. worse i think all of this stuff is actually it's i think it's going to radicalize people in both directions because they're they're forcing people to pick a side like i think the thing mm-hmm. they think they're trying to fix they're actually creating they're manifesting this yeah. reality 
I don't even think, I don't even think they're trying to fix. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't actually think, I, th I think, I think that a lot of, you know, the sort of people on the ground level are, you know, I think that kind of acting is useful idiots by running around with some of this, some of this ideology and repeating some of this stuff. But I feel like the people who are like you were mentioning earlier, um, I think the people who are seeking to divide, they know what they're doing. Like these aren't, these aren't stupid people, whether they're politicians or people in the media or people, you know, running banks and things like that, who are trying to distract people and split them for political gain and power gain and all that, or economic gain. I think they know what, I think they know what's up. I think they know what's up. Right. Yeah. And they, they know, they know, they know darn well what they're doing, but people, yeah. Yeah, they've got to think that the ideas are their own and they buy into it and then they go on, they propagate it and they, you know, do their, do their nonsense online and offline and mm -hmm. it raises the temperature. It creates more division and, you know, it, it ultimately, like, like you said, it makes people worse off. I'd say that in the past, you know, three to five years, I'd say, yeah, we've, we've backslid in mm -hmm. terms of a lot of the gains that For we've sure. made. I think, yeah, I think we've backslid. I mean, when I'm seeing the other day I saw a tweet pop up of like, um, in MIT, uh, from MIT, like they're offering yoga classes specifically for black people and people of color. Oh, segregation. And I'm cool. like, right. And, and I'm just like, what, what is this? Like, what, what is this? Like, I guess, why? I guess black people have to do a different style well, yoga. That's, I don't know. It seems honestly, racist I'm, to me. <laughs> I'm just like, well, how, what, how is this a thing? Or I saw something from like a parents teachers conference and they had one room for the parents of white children and another oh, room for the parents of, and i'm just like dude like what is, and this i think this was Liter in, uh, they are literally was, was dividing us by race literally dividing literally, us by race literally yeah literally racial segregation they just switched the word colored colored yeah. to person of color yeah and i've taken like you know like <laughs> yeah i've taken to calling um I've taken to calling Amazon, Facebook, and Google the new axis of evil. You know how we had the axis of evil back. <laughs> and and they're WMD. They got WMDs and it's it's censorship and it's identity mm -hmm. politics. And they're they're yeah. gonna they're gonna destroy us with this stuff. Like the censorship is especially scary because mm -hmm. if you push back against this stuff, they now have the ability to, and they have shown that they will censor you. And that's when the state. Mm -hmm. That's when the state, you know, like I said, I consider myself libertarian now. Well, once the, mm -hmm. when the state adopts this stuff and they have, and then they silence all opposition and they control the media. Mm -hmm. Well, now you're living in an authoritarian society. And to, to suggest that yeah. that's a ridiculous point of view. Well, is it? We've seen what's gone on with these lockdowns in the last 10 months. Like literally yes. here in California, we were not allowed to go to the beach. We were not allowed to go shopping. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. We're we're it's still like that here. It's like that right now. I was going to ask you about that. What's it? What's it? What you just got over COVID, right? Yeah, I did. I uh, yeah, I beat COVID. Yeah, I've been I've been normal for about five or six days now. Okay, well, good. Glad you made it. Um, Thank what you. Is, what is <laughs> what has it been like over there? Has it been the same kind of repressive authoritarian rule? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the UK is now in its. I mean, they're saying third lockdown. Really, it's the fourth one. But this has been going on now since just after Christmas. Uh, so the, the UK is on full scale lockdown, full scale lockdown. You can't even leave the country. So, you know, you're not meant to leave your house. There are stay at home orders. Um, it's been like this for what, five or six weeks now. Um, so the, no, the, the UK is fully, yeah. We're, and there, there's not even an end, there's not even an end date, right? There's not even, no. a, there's not even like they said, okay, we're locked down till the 14th of February or something. It's just like, 
you know, I think I personally, I've held the belief for months that this ends when the people end it. That's what yeah, I think. I, I think this ends it. when the people end it. I agree. And I think that, yeah, I, there are two schools of thought, right? You have the people who just think like, look, just obey. And the more we obey, the quicker this will be over with. And I'm like, no, like the quicker we disobey and people on mass just, you know, the shops open and the gyms open and people just go out and start seeing their friends and seeing their families and forgetting mm-hmm. about all this nonsense. That's to me, what will, what will end it. And, you know, some people won't like me saying that because they'll say, you know, hospitals are overwhelmed and this and that, but the, I think the lockdowns, the powers in the numbers, I, I, I look, I may, of course, yeah, firstly, they can't arrest everybody. No. And I think that the lo- I think that it's to me anyway, in my, in how I weigh things, the lockdowns have clearly done more damage than the virus. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about continue that. Continue to yeah, anybody, I, yeah, anybody I mean, who's la- looking at it logically and factually, and and a lot of people. I, I don't know where you were at the beginning, but in March, I, w- I was saying that in the beginning. I'm a healthcare professional. I was saying I hope they've at least considered the amount of damage that these lockdowns are going to do because not only you know people killing themselves, suicide, of what it's doing to our children who are not educated. My kids have been on Zoom school mm-hmm. two hours a day for a year. Ridiculous, um, but what it's going to do to the economy is going to have far reaching mm-hmm. implications and will, you know, poverty kills people. A lot of people are going to yes. die because of the, of the poverty that's going to yes. come out of this. And so they, the, 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 I've never witnessed such myopia. I've never witnessed so much myopia, hypocrisy, goalpost moving. Like, you know, people are acting like the only thing that can firstly, firstly, and people get angry at this. Like it's funny when you say the COVID survival rate that people get angry, right? People act, people get, this is the first disease I've ever come across in my life where people want it to be worse than it is. Right, right. People want it to be worse. When you tell people that the survival rate is over 99.9% for the majority of the population, they get angry. They get upset. They call you names, right? Mm -hmm. And this, this, this is like, I'm like, yo, you can look up the numbers like on, you know, you keep, you keep screaming the word science at me. And I'm like, I'm talking science. Yeah. Right. Go to the you know, CDC then, website. Exactly. They're right there. Exactly. Right exactly. There. So I'm like, look, if you're, we know, like, look, if you're over 75 years old, 80 years old plus, or you have certain conditions, like, you know, you don't want this. I've had COVID. It's not, it wasn't pleasant. I didn't enjoy it. Um, I knew I wasn't going to die though. Right. So, and the fact that I get ill, I was like, okay, I'm ill. So I'm going to stay at home and, you know, I'm not going to transmit anything to anybody. And that's fine. Like the other 65 million people who live in my country, don't need to be locked in their houses because I am currently sick, right? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's like you're, you're crippling mm. everything and you're punishing and you're ruining every, the health of hundred percent of people because for the sake of like, you know, 1% of them. Right. And it's insane. And I think this is also the first generation where, um, you know, I'm not a parent myself, but this is the first generation where all of this is being done because the adults are scared, right? Mm-hmm. Because the adults are scared. It's like, you know, this thing doesn't, this thing doesn't kill kids, which is beautiful, by the way, no. like it's a great silver lining. And it's like, you're punishing children. I'm like, man, is this generation so selfish that they're willing to like put all this debt and harm and mental and physical suffering on their own children because they are scared yeah. and they've been it's, shook up by the it's media. Literally like, abusive. It's literally abuse. It's literally child abuse. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. I, um, I might tweet this later. I, I was thinking earlier today that some kids, kids are going to grow up thinking that the, the mouth is a private part. <laughs> they're going to start like seeing people's mouths and like, when they see someone's actual mouth, they'll be like, Oh my gosh. Is that, yeah. Like, well, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. No, no, kidding. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're you're at the bank now, and, and a woman's upper lip slips out of her mask. You get a little excited. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? like it's. I don't know what's going on. Oh, um, I saw the tip of her nose. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, it really is. It really is child abuse. Like in California, I think two two people under the age of eighteen have died. I have. Oh. I know. I have a lot of liberal friends, obviously, out here. I know children who have literally not interacted with other children in nearly a year. Like what wow. do we even have any idea what that does to them? Social in their social development. Like we've never been here before. Right. Like that's no. gotta have and it, it's bad effects and it's all unnecessary. That's the thing is that it's unnecessary. We don't, we don't even know now with thing. the science, we don't even know if it actually even slowed down the spread. Like they can't even prove no, that it slowed down the spread. So no, I mean, like there, there are such obvious questions that they, they, they can't answer. Right. Like if you want me on board with this stuff, it's like, you've got to, you have to explain things and you have to show data and you have to like justify positions. Right. And this is whole thing's not justified. It's not right. justified to me. And there's no goal. There's no end in sight. It's just, Oh, we're just, just stay at home until you know, stay at home until nobody dies again. It's like, wait, I, I hang on. You were, I remember mm-hmm. you sold this thing to us with two weeks to flatten the curve. That That's right. how it was sold to us. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two weeks to flatten the curve. Don't overwhelm the hospitals. Don't overwhelm the NHS. Fair enough. Everybody was sold. We get that. That's cool. No problem. No problem. You know, you don't need to send the police to our doors. Like, cool. We'll chill out for two weeks. And then, you know, here we are a year later, literally a year later now, and we're literally in the same position. Yeah. Yeah. In the same position. Back, back to the axis of evil. Right. Mm. So when, if, when they control the narrative, like Amazon has gotten Amazon, Walmart, these companies are doing better than ever before. Oh my if gosh. there's a book, there's been books that have been put out about exactly the things you've been talking about. They get banned from Amazon. Um, a lot of the scientific studies about these, about the effects of what these lockdowns are going to do have uh, doctors have put out studies. Spencer. They tweet about them. They get banned from social media. Uh, I've, crazy. I've tweeted some of these stories. We have a 70,000 following us on Facebook. They took it down. They suspended me. So when wow. you have people who are directly profiting from the lockdowns, mm-hmm. like not just profiting, accumulating massive so amounts of, of, of so wealth, <laughs> of course they want the lockdowns to go on. Why are they in charge yeah. of making the decisions? Like that seems a little, yeah. they always say, follow the money. Well, follow the fucking money on this and, mm-hmm. and push mm-hmm. back against it. Um, it's the greatest wealth transfer in history. Yeah. Yep. Must be. Yep. Must be. Yeah. And did they you crushed see- all the small businesses and, you know, like, you know, small, medium sized businesses are getting crushed and the ones that are thriving are, you know, they are the I'm not even in a I'm not even one of those. Like, It's also funny because this is something that you would think that more like left leaning people would be up in arms about. But like, I don't I don't even know how they yeah. kind of became the pro the pro lockdown, pro mask, anti freedom side it's really it's really bizarre in this whole thing because if you want to talk about income inequality and billionaires enriching themselves and the small guy getting crushed i'm like well and then you're talking and then at the same time you you know you'll be talking someone will be talking about that and then they'll be pro lockdown and i'm just like how can you not see the glaring hypocrisy Mm -hmm. in in what you're saying here it's it's really strange yep and all of their you know the the policies get more and more liberal and what i'd like them all to look at is you know what most liberals have a good heart they want i think like most common people they have a good heart they're empathetic they want everybody to to get theirs and do well but if you look at the the economic divide the wealth gap 
It's mm -hmm. grown and grown and grown every time we institute some new liberal policy that they think is going to help mm -hmm. it. It's made it worse. So you got to like at some point rewind and reconsider are these strategies mm -hmm. helping to fix the thing we want to fix? Yeah, um, this is we're, we're yeah, running out. Say, of, but, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. no, we'll, I'll just say one thing. This is this is where you have when you get, you know, some people care about feeling good more than doing good. Yeah. Right. I feel like that's cool. I feel like that's California as a whole. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Like people, people, people are put basing policy and ideas on what makes them feel good, not on actual tangible results and doing good. And whenever you're in that position, you're going to get bad decision-making. And that's what's been going on. I think in, in California, that seems to have been going on for over a decade. No, that's for sure. It You nailed it. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. That yeah. That's definitely it. So, um, we're running out of time. Um, but, and we didn't even, I, I've got way more I want to talk to you about. Maybe we'll have you back in six months or something, but we didn't even touch on the, the, um, the deadlifting record, um, and Joe <laughs> Biden's new executive order. So I'm just wondering oh, now that Biden has lifted, um, <laughs> gender, like gender is not a thing anymore. Any chance, <laughs> any chance you get all the women's records? Like, man, just, I, I don't know, man. I look, I, I nominate all men. I nominate all men to, you know, step up to the plate. If you're tired of, you know, coming in seventh, eighth, ninth <laughs> place in your events, you know, you're, you know, you're in the NBA, but you're not, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're not at the top of it. Like, man, just make that switch, man. I encourage it. Make the switch and, um, you know, play by the rules. And uh, that's the, that's the best way to expose them. You know, play yeah. The and, and legally now here in America, at least legally, they can do that. Right. Yeah. They can do that now because of this executive order. So I don't think people are going to see how ridiculous this order is until a lot of people do what I you did. You took it. a lot of heat for that. But if everybody starts doing that or a lot of people start doing that, <laughs> people say start to see that maybe this isn't best for our little girls. Yeah, well, it, it took some heat from it, but it also made me famous. So, you know, like <laughs> I was saying, you know, you tell you tell the truth and it works out in the long run. Absolutely. That's a good way to end it. Yeah. All right, Zuby, thank you so much for your time. I, I, I really appreciate welcome, you Matt. giving us an hour. Uh, uh, very generous. Is there anything you want to promote? I know you got an album coming up. Yeah, my album is going to be out this spring. Um, I'm, I haven't revealed the title just yet, so I can't on this podcast. Um, but you can check out my podcast, Real Talk with Zuby, on all platforms. All of my existing music is on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, all the usual spots. And um, my book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody, is available on my website, teamzuby.com. So you can check that out. Like I said, a Swiss Army knife here. You do everything. And I have checked out the podcast. People check out the podcast. I listened to the episode with uh, Kimberly Klasik. Um, that oh, was nice. a really interesting one. So check that out, people. Uh, once again, thank you, Zuby. You're welcome. Okay, guys, that was Zuby. I hope you enjoyed him. And, and I just got to say, I've got nothing but admiration for a guy like that, a guy who, who's an artist, he, he's, he's, if you couldn't tell, a black man, a rapper, and he, those are th three areas where the types of things he is saying is cutting against the grain of what's popular for people who fit his demographic. But like we just talked about, demographics are bullshit, people. They're bullshit. It's just, it's just me and you and Aunt Nellie down the street. We're all just people. We're all just people. We got to cut it with the labels and all that other silly nonsense. So I hope you enjoyed Zuby. I love him. I want to get him back on when his album comes out. Please check out his music. We didn't talk much about his music. I, I had a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to talk to him about. You, you know me. I love the music. So 
that's something we'll have to get into next time around. Um, sorry, another little technical hiccup there, guys. I'm, 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 you know, I'm your voice of reason and sanity and consistency, but I am just not a tech genius. But I appreciate you for for hanging in there with me because we are improving and the audience is growing. And despite what Facebook and Twitter are trying to do to podcasts like mine, they took away my ability to advertise. We're still growing. So, so, so come get it. Come get it, Twitter. Come get it, you motherfuckers. We're growing. The dad army. No, we're, we're not an army. We're way too small for that. But we're growing and I appreciate you for hanging in there with me. And now I'm going to, as promised, give you the... Uh, pre-show monologue that got bumped to the end of the show because Zuby's a badass. All right, guys. Um, I want to discuss Hollywood. Um, I got a, a love-hate relationship with Hollywood. I've, I've been out here in California for 20 years. And when I moved to California, I came for the great weather and the beautiful women and just the round year good times. Um, you know, people with big hopes and dreams, they, they, they come to California. And even though I didn't even tell people about it, um, like everyone who comes to this town, I thought, well, why not? I'll give, I'll give my hand a try at acting. I booked a few national commercials. Uh, I, uh, I, di- I did a few ga- dating game shows, uh, Change, Change Your Heart, or well, I forget the name of it. did a couple of them. I became friends with Ron Jeremy and Tommy Gunn. Uh, I kissed Jennifer Love Hewitt. I got rejected by Charlize Theron. Um, I got painted one time as a Greek god statue, all gold from from head to toe, my body in just gold paint um, for some fundraiser for for AIDS. And it started raining and I got all cold and freezing and and people started taking pity on me. And Drew Barrymore came up and put a, a sweater around my shoulders to keep me warm. And Jamie Lee Curtis came by and started rubbing my thighs to warm me up. So, so what I'm saying is I've, I've got like a million entertaining stories from those days back in the early 2000s. They were fun times. Um, but three things I learned very quickly about Hollywood and about this world is, number one, I, um, I'm a terrible actor, like legendarily bad. Um, number two, most people out here seemed to share my liberal ideas about freedom and war, or at least at, at that time, those were what liberal ideas were, like anti-war, uh, pro-free speech. That's, that's how people like myself identified with liberalism, and that's what most of Hollywood identified as. as. Um, I also learned pretty quick that I was a, a fish out of water, and I, I didn't totally fit in in this town, though, though I made it my home. Um, I moved here from Nashville. I bounced all around the country for about 20 years. Um, I don't even know how many, or I'm, I'm sorry, for about two or three years. Three years, I think, I bounced around the country, and I don't even know how many cities I lived in, but I came here from Nashville. Um, and within a week out here, I found this beautiful young actress to, to hang out with and play with and, and have a good time with. She was just, you know, coming from Pennsylvania, all the girls out here are stunning. Not that the girls from Pennsylvania aren't beautiful. They are. But, but what this town is, is you get like the prom queen from every high school in America moves out here because she wants to be famous. And then those beautiful prom queens end up, sometimes they make it big, but most of the time they fail, but they, they find some rich guy and they have babies with this rich guy and they make more beautiful people. And then those beautiful people get together and populate and 
California just gets more and more physically beautiful. So like a beautiful woman in California is pretty incomparable to, to the rest of the world. And if that's offensive, I'm sorry, but it's true. I've been around the world. I've been all over America and the girls here, are, they're unreal. So what I'm saying is after one week, I, I was dating this beautiful young actress who was way out of my league and I was awestruck by her beauty, like just awestruck by her beauty. Like I had to work hard, not just to like trip over my own tongue and look like a dog in heat every time I was around her. Um, anyway, she came over to my apartment and she walked in and, and my apartment, you know, I was, what was I, 25 years old. I was living with another dude. He was from the Midwest. Our apartment was, was trash. It was, it was a trashy apartment. We knew nothing about decorating. I don't even think we had a couch. We had like a futon, uh, dishes piled up in the sinks, nothing on the walls. Um, so she made fun of me. She still stayed with me, um, spent the night, of course, because Maddie boy got it. Um, but then she suggested that I get some art and make my apartment not suck. So I didn't know anything about art. Um, I knew, I knew literally nothing about art. Um, so I asked her where to go and she said I should go to Rodeo Drive because they have great art up on Rodeo Drive. Now, I don't even know what Rodeo Drive is. Now, I understand we're in a world now where everybody you get on the internet and you figure out what stuff is. So people, kids, 25-year-olds today are much more informed and mature and uh, worldly than 25-year-olds were 20 years ago because the internet wasn't everywhere yet. There was the internet. When I, I got here, it was like 1998. There was internet, but everybody didn't use it for everything. Um, so anyway, I never heard of Rodeo Drive. So I, I, the next day, I grabbed my Velcro wallet. This is what kind of guy we're talking about here. I had a, literally had a Velcro wallet. I jumped in my 1997 refurbished Saturn SC2. That's what I was driving. Piece of junk. And I mapped out my route on my Thomas guide, which is how you got around back then before GPS. And now I'm sounding super old, but it's just the truth. And I went up to Rodeo Drive to get some art. So I was shocked when I got there to discover that parking was $15. Like I had to spend $15 just to shop. Um, it was my first time up in Beverly Hills. Was not expecting that. I thought, you know, you put a quarter in the meter. I mean, I only had $80 in my name, literally. Um, I'd just gotten done moving out here. I spent most of my money to move. And I was intending to spend that $80 on art. Except for the money I needed to also save just to eat for the rest of the week. So really, I had about $60 to spend. Now I had about $45. Okay? So I was already up against it. So I walked down the street and, and I still remember the, the women I saw walking down that street. I mean, I was just, my head was turning on a swivel every direction, leggy, six foot supermodels passing, scantily clad in, in every direction. Um, but eventually I found myself bumping into an art store and, and without hesitating, I opened the door and, and went in. Um, the store was obviously very fancy and out of my league, just like the girl I was dating and just like the beautiful girl from behind the counter. Um, she, she blew me away. She looked like the sexiest, hottest librarian you've ever seen. I mean, she looked like an awful and mean human who she looked like, she looked like what you would expect a praying mantis to look like if it, if it became human and its job was to capture men and ruin them.
gorgeous. And she just looked like she was like, if I got with her, she would take me to bed and cut my head off. And I wanted her. Um, now I'm not a bad person. I already mentioned I was with another girl, but there, this was three, four days with this other girl. This was not a relationship. Um, people don't jump right into relationships out here. There was no promises made and I was a young man. So at that point in my time, I did not have many life skills. I was a physical therapist. I was an athlete and I was really good at talking to women. Um, that's about it. And, uh, this lovely young lady caught my eye and I wanted to impress her. So I started walking around the store, perusing the art, picking up pieces, pretending to examine them and, and then setting them back down. And I noticed that the, the, the beautiful girl at the counter um, got a little tight every time I picked something up, like a little nervous maybe, or I don't know. I felt like whatever I was doing was teasing her, um, but I wasn't sure why. So I just continued shopping. Now, like I said, I know I knew very little about art, like basically nothing. Uh, I had an art appreciation class in college, and it's probably the, I probably struggled in that class more than my most complex math classes. And, and in fact, basically, I struggled because I, I didn't care; it was not interesting to me. It became interesting to me later in life, coincidentally, when I dated a beautiful girl who was into art. That's what got me into it, um, honestly, being totally honest. But at that point, I was not into art. But I did know enough to know that Picasso was a thing. And I came across a very simple piece on the wall and it was literally just three thin pencil lines on a piece of paper, like in the shape of a, a triangle. It's dumb, whatever, but it was signed by Picasso. So I knew if I, I took that one to the counter, at least I wouldn't be making a total, totally embarrassing choice when I went to the counter to talk to this girl. So I grabbed it off the wall and uh, walked it to the counter to set it down in front of my future dominatrix. And uh, I said something like, you know, beautiful day. How's your day going? And she's like, oh, it's cool. Like in a completely bored, uninterested, very Hollywood kind of res response, you know, barely making eye contact with me. And I said something, I complimented her earrings or something. And I said something stupid like, I love how your earrings are color coordinated with your eye shadow, something like that. I used to say corny things like that. I still say corny things like that. I'm not going to lie to you, but I say what comes in my head. Um, and I try to make people feel good. Anyway, she says to me, she says, you're not supposed to take the art off the wall unless you're going to buy it. And she says this in a lecturing tone. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's, it's cool, dude. I'm buying how much? And she says, she says 12. So confidently, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this. I reach in my pocket. I, I pull out my Velcro curl rub wallet and rip it open. It makes that Velcro noise, which whatever, embarrassing. I pull out $12, slap them on the counter and she starts laughing. Now this, this girl looked like an angry uptight girl who probably haven't, hadn't laughed in years. And she's having a good chuckle. Like she can, she's having a hard time containing this chuckle from being just like a full bore belly laugh. So I asked her, I'm like, are you laughing at my wallet? And I'm like, you know, I get it. I bet my wallet's been laughed at before. It's a silly wallet, but I keep it because it's practical and conversation starter. But mostly I just keep it because I'm lazy. I don't like the shop and uh, it works. So why am I going to waste money on another wallet? And she says, you're, and she says, your wallet's stupid, but I'm laughing because you're trying to buy a Picasso for $12. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you said it was 12. And she says, it's 12,000. 
it's an original. Now, I probably should have been humiliated by that, but honestly, there's something wrong with me and it's impossible to humiliate me. I mean, even at that age, I really, I gave no fucks. And I think that comes from being a child and being bullied really bad up through junior high. I just stopped giving a shit what people thought about me. Um, That's why I do say that bullies serve a purpose in society. Like they made me strong, but that's another story. So I apologize for being a stupid moron. Um, I, I left the store. I got in my SC2 and I drove to Venice and I got some Bob Marley and sublime posters for my wall. Just like you would expect a, a young dickwad fresh out of Tennessee to do. Anyway, the point is I love this town. It's never what I expect. It, the, the, the experiences here are amazing. You get some very pretentious people like that in Hollywood. You get some artsy-fartsy people in Venice. You get the surfers here in, in Hermosa through Redondo. You got the inner city and you got, the, the, you, got, you got some great barbecue. You got the Filipino culture. You got little China, little Tokyo. You got everything here. It's an amazing town. I mean... You can walk down the street, go in a random art store, and find a Picasso original hanging, just hanging there on the wall. Just hanging there, not in a museum, just hanging on the wall in some art store on Rodeo Drive. You can walk down the street and bump into Keanu Reeves and say, what's up, bro? Like I did literally later that week. I bumped into Keanu Reeves and Tom Cruise in my first week in California. It's bizarre, you know, like to someone growing up in Pennsylvania, it was just, it was weird. Weird, crazy, fun shit like that happens all the time. And I love it. Um, but it's also filled with a lot of people who value nothing more than their own image and the attention they can get. And that's really gross. And it sets them up for being um, manipulated. So what do I mean by that? So, I mean, there's a lot of good people out here who have good intentions, who are artists and they're empathetic and they care about other people, but they have a constant need for attention and approval. And that can end with some disgusting self-serving behavior. And I'm talking about this today because we have Zuby coming on and Zuby is an artist. So I want to get into this kind of stuff with him, but he's an artist who chooses not to be here in Hollywood. Um, so my first year here, I became fast friends with people who were mostly apolitical, but, but leaned heavily anti-establishment like me. Like I I got along with these people because I thought we were on the same wavelength. They were anti-power, anti-war. I was anti-war coming out of 2001. They were anti-war. And I thought it's because we had the same ideas. But that wasn't it. And it took me 10 years to realize that when, when liberalism shifted and they all shifted with it and I stayed the same. So I have always and I will always lock arms with anyone who takes on the man and speaks truth to power. That's beautiful to me. I mean, you got a war you want to fight, I'll gladly embrace Jane Fonda and Ali and Martin Sheen and Bill Maher and all those types who stand up against the man and, and yell that our wars are crimes against humanity, even when they're called traitors by the mainstream media. Like, I respect all those people. But what, what's happened recently is that Hollywood types have been fooled. People have taken advantage of their empathy and turned it into a weapon. Hollywood now, for the most part, has globbed on to, embraced, and knelt before the 
repressive power structure of the Democratic Party. In other words, they no longer seem to have principles. They just have, they just know they're Democrats. And Hollywood, they, they tricked you. They tricked you. And when I say Hollywood, I'm not talking about Hollywood studios and record labels. They've always been working with the man. They are the man. I'm talking about the artists. I'm talking about the famous artists, and I'm talking about the up-and-coming artists, and I'm talking about the dirt-poor artists. They've taken advantage of your good nature and, and your natural empathy for others and turned you into weapons in their own tyranny. So artists are highly sensitive people, more than the rest of us. Um, Their high sensitivity, I mean, it's just, it's just a fact. They're, they're more sensitive, and that's part of the reason why they're such great artists. The, an artist goes out into the world and sees and hears things that we don't. They, they are literally more sensitive, and by more sensitive, I don't mean their feelings get hurt more, though that's true too. I mean, they pick up on things that we don't. They feel things more. They feel pain more. They feel anger more. And it's why they're so irrational sometimes and emotional. They work off their feelings and emotion more so than logic. And that's not all artists. A lot of artists can be logical, but they also have that. So some artists, you know, will learn to balance those two things. But in general, yes, artists, they feel things more. They are more sensitive. And it's what can make them great. Um, I mean, you're never... You will never have a more passionate love affair than you will with an artist. The highs are super high and the lows are super low. It's like a thrilling, terrifying ride. Um, and when I first came out here, I was with nothing but artists for probably at least six or seven years because it was so thrilling. Unfortunately, they can become pretty narcissistic because they need, they have this need to be loved by everybody. And I don't know if that stems from something they didn't get in their childhood or something they did get in their childhood. I don't know. All I know is that they need attention and love. And that can make them, the, the fact that they're so empathetic and sensitive combined with the fact that they need all that attention can make them easily manipulated. And I can say this with great conviction because I spent every day for a decade surrounded by artists and I loved it and I love them. I'm not, I'm not saying a bad thing about it. I think they're wonderful people and, and they have good hearts. Um, and I, I consider myself a kind of artist also. Um, I do. Maybe not a great one, but, but I am one. You know, I, I wrote a couple books. I, I think my art is, I can express myself, although I'm stumbling right now. Anyway. Fortunately for me, I've never felt the, the need to be universally loved. Like that's not something that I need. It's never been, being liked has never been important to me. Um, I don't know why. Like I said, maybe it goes back to, to my days being bullied. But I think that's allowed me to step outside of certain situations and look at them and then speak honestly rather than saying what people want me to say, which is now what seems to happen in Hollywood. This woke, woke movement operates, they, these people operate under the assumption that certain minorities, black, brown, gay, trans, handicapped, fat people, whatever, even though fat people is not a minority, it seems like the majority, they are now considered a repressed minority, whatever. Um, they, when they used to talk about the man or the, the repressors, that used to mean government. That's what it means to me, government. But now when they say it, they're talking about straight white males. 
which I am one of them and many of my listeners are. And, and that's not healthy for society. Um, but this movement told these artists that all of these my, minorities have been under attack by white America and that they need help. And given their empathetic nature, of course they want to help. Um, they, they, they want to help those who need help. And they also want to do the right thing. Okay? But they've been misled because straight white men are not the cause of everybody's ills. Straight white men are not evil. Straight white men are not the ones who have the power. We, I don't have any power. My friends don't have any power. The power is all with a very, very minute minority, like the top 0.001% of people, of money earners in this country have all the power. Um, and that's who's controlling government, and that's who's repressing everyone who's being repressed, which is all of us in a sense. But the projected narrative has been put out there that the by Black Lives Matter in cooperation with the big banks who fund Black Lives Matter and far-left billionaires who back it. Now, you, you're telling me that straight white men are the repressors, but, the, but the, the billionaires who are backing this movement are not? Doesn't that seem twisted? I mean, those people, those bankers aren't concerned about the repressed minorities. Do you really think, do you really think some billionaire funding that movement really cares? Because let me, let me ask you this way. As a billionaire, let's say the, the billionaire owner of Nike, couldn't I do more for the world by taking my billions of dollars and actually putting that into communities and building up communities? Or couldn't I just simply stop using slaves? They literally use slave labor to get their shoes made. Couldn't I just stop doing that if I really wanted to make a difference? But they don't do that. Instead, they're going to donate to Black Lives Matter because they want to, they want to fool you into and, and you thinking that they're the good guy. They're not the repressor. Straight white men are the repressor. It's a trick. It's a trick to get you mad at me and get us fighting with each other instead of taking the fight to them, the ones who are repressing everybody. Um, yeah. So the, the, the rhetoric of this movement they they push they they appeal to the broad sensibilities of the the sensitive artist by by painting certain groups of people as victims and then pointing at a boogeyman as the cause of the ills and then they get all of hollywood on board with that and then and making media making movies that project this message and before you know it that message is everywhere and that's how a movement like this becomes so gigantic and gets the entire country at each other's throats. We've got MAGA and Black Lives Matter at each other's throats when they should be on the same team pointing their anger up. So, I mean, Hollywood, you've been taken advantage of your, your, your good nature you used to fight the man, but now you're working for the man. And I would like to see Hollywood get that straightened out. And I'm not even going to say uh, don't support Democrats, Hollywood, because Republicans are, are no better. They're not. They just didn't happen to be smart enough to position themselves in a way in which uh, their message could be embraced 
by Hollywood and the mainstream media. They just weren't smart enough. They got outsmarted by, by the Democrats. But they're both evil. Democrats and Republicans, the power structure, that's where the evil is. So Hollywood used to stand up for civil liberties, freedom. And I just ask you to take your collective heads out of your woke Democratic butts and start speaking truth to power again. Start making films and shows and get on Twitter and drop all the woke bullshit and speak truth to power like you used to and make me fall in love with you all over again. Um, all right, guys. Spread love. I'm going to get into the interview. And don't forget, uh, sheathunderwear.com, code word dad, 20% off. You never get a more comfortable pair of underwear. And now we're going to get into it with Zuby. All right. 